Blog Talk Radio. This week on FanCast, we'll be talking about how the Phillies have faded so far the past week and how they can look to right the ship with injuries and different pitchers' struggles leading the way for the struggle for the Phillies so far. All this Hold on, wait a minute. minute, minute. Y'all thought I was finished. Oh. When I bought a ass tomorrow, y'all thought it was winning. Yeah. Jackson yeah. on these n****s, I'm like Papa on his finish. Double M, yeah, that's my team. Rose, they just catching on Lieutenant. I'm the type can of men casting grind like I'm broke. All right, welcome back to FanCast. Um, here with me tonight is Bethesda, our producer. We talk about how Phillies can look to right the ship. Um, they're only one game over 500 now. Game back in the division. Obviously, it's really early to look at standings. Uh-huh. But, um, Benson, I know you've been able to watch much of the Phillies, but um, our starting pitching has actually been pretty good this year. Um, Nola's probably been our worst pitcher, to be honest, um, other than Pavetta, who was sent down. Um, Eikhoff, we brought up, is solid. Um, Arietta has been rock solid so far. Eflin, Velasquez are the same. Um, it's it's hard to point out a specific weakness for the Phillies. It's just poor situational, poor situational th- things, which I think is actually a good sign because those are the things that you can fix mentally. Um, not all teams have the potential in the bullpen, starting rotation, and starting lineup like we do. Yeah, and, like, really the thing is, I mean, I haven't been able to, to watch many Phillies games myself, but from what I've seen from a distance, you know, the starting pitching's been there outside of the guys you mentioned, though, with Pavetta. Um, the lineup's been hit or miss, and really it, it feels to me as if it's it might be a little bit of a chemistry issue, you know, with all the different pieces that have came in with Harper, McCutcheon, Segura, you know, Muto, you name it. They made so many moves this off season. And to bring all those guys in and try to win right away, it's a difficult thing to do. And, yes, the Phillies got off to a hot start, and it appeared to be as if, you know, everything was joined together perfectly, and it was all perfect for a little bit. But now the struggles have hit. And the Phillies team, this 2019 Phillies team, is going to be defined with how they can rebound from struggles like these because every baseball team goes through these times good or bad. There's going to be weeks when the pitching lights out and the offense can't hit and vice versa. It's how you can rebound from those weeks that really show what a baseball team is and what a baseball team can be capable of being. I totally agree with you. Um, we all know the potential that the Phillies lineup supposedly has, and it's not like they've struggled to get on base. Uh, they've had runners on base time after time after time. I saw in the last 55 innings, we've had runners on second or third base with less than two outs um, 85% of the time. And we've converted in 11% of those times, which is pretty pathetic. I mean, and I think those are things you can't, like you said, um, some of these, like Harper got the spring training late. Uh, his timing, you can tell, really isn't there yet, quite, quite yet. So, like you said, I don't, I, don't, I don't know if it's a chemistry issue because, I mean, they're all, they're all getting pretty close pretty quickly. I don't think it's necessarily chemistry. Other than well, Jake Arrieta with those weird comments that apparently didn't fire us up. But other than that, I I just think it's something that'll 
I think the problems are beginning of the season problems, situational hitting that hitters getting anxious in. And there's also one big looming problem, Cesar Hernandez. Cesar Hernandez has been an absolute just disaster for the Phillies in every single kind of way. Hitting, fielding, base running, you name it. In, a, in the Rockies game, he slid into a base, thought he was called out, but right in front of him, the ball was dropped. He ran off the base towards the dugout and was called out. And a double was hit right after, which would have scored him. It, it, it just these blunders. And today, um, a ball literally went right through his legs, the five hole. These things can't happen on a winning team. They just can't. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, with, with Cesar Hernandez, um, I mean, last year he had a fantastic season. And the thought coming into 2019 was you add the pieces in the front of the lineup that deepens it. And uh, Hernandez is given the opportunity to hit towards the bottom of the lineup where there's not as much pressure. But uh, it seems as if being that bottom of the lineup, he's putting a lot of pressure on himself. And uh, he feels it because he's just not playing the way that he's capable of playing and shown the way he's capable of playing. Uh, I know that you've been a huge proponent of Scott Kingery becoming the everyday second baseman, and that could definitely be something that could help out this Phillies team. It's always nice to have a guy that's hot coming in off the bench that can bring a spark plug to a struggling team when when you need that spark plug. So I definitely think Kingery uh, should be getting the majority of the second base time for the time being until either A, he cools down or uh, Cesar proves that he's worthy of getting back in that lineup. Um, I agree with you. And the Cole Tucker I saw coming up, like you said, a spark plug. I mean, what a spark plug he is. But I, I think Scott Kingery is a lot like him in that way, that he's fast, he provides, he provides like, you know, the, the fans are really into it every time he comes up. And believe me, last year his swing was not pretty. I was not the biggest fan of him last year. This year, he looks like a totally different batter. Changed up his stance, changed up his approach to plate, and it really makes I'm comfortable every time he comes up. It doesn't make me feel as though an out is coming whenever he's up to the plate. Whereas with Cesar, sometimes he finds ways to just negatively, like you said, there's supposed to be no pressure on him at all. Somehow he finds he he finds a way to <laughs> create pressure create stress and tension in the game but when there shouldn't be. Yeah, and I mean, last year, the Phillies, coming into the year, uh, outside of Philadelphia, there really wasn't much expected of this group, playoff-wise, and for a good portion of the season, they led the NL East, and, you know, expectations rose, but Cesar was right in the middle of that lineup, and there really was not that much outside pressure coming in, but with the Phillies adding the amount of talent that they added over the off season, even though that he moved down in the lineup there, there's certain expectation that he will perform the same, just lower in the lineup. And with all the national attention being poured into the Phillies with, you know, uh, <clears throat> when the Phillies got off to the hot start and will be posting about them. Every other post had seemed to be on Instagram. Um, Cesar might've, created a false sense of pressure for himself, even though he, that he's not the guy this year, he is still, well, should, he's still the starting second baseman on a potentially very good baseball club. I agree with you there, but the, the fact is what he was so successful at in the past 
and what he brought to our ball club in the past was working a good at bat, providing more than solid defense, um, not being overly aggressive on the base paths, but being there when he needed to be. And in all three of those areas, he is failing. He can't use terrible on the base paths. Um, he's not giving us good at bats. He's swinging first pitch a lot of the time. Um, he's he's hitting. He's swinging early in the count, like I said, partially because he does have runners on base. And Scott Kingry, although his injury killed us, Gene Segura, we have three in, starters injured right now, which are which is a whole other issue, which is killing our, our vibe right now. Uh, Odubel Herrera is out. Our starting center fielder, Gene Segura, our starting shortstop, and Scott Kingry. Or should he kind of he was platooned in with Cesar. Sorry, no, that's three starters right there. Yeah, for sure. And injuries have really, it's been a common theme, it seems, around Major League Baseball thus far in the 2019 season. When you just look at the Yankees with the amount of guys yeah. that they have out with, you know, Judge that's and crazy. Stanton and uh, Didi. Like, Stanton. they're all going down they, out there. Listen, you, you, it's crazy. They have Hicks, Stanton, Ellsbury, Sanchez, Severino, Tances. <laughs> like, you can get the whole raw, like, I think their roster that's injured is better than the roster that's healthy. The, the list goes on and on out there in New York. And even in less than a mark, says for myself with the, with the Pittsburgh Pirates, you get guys like Starling Marte out early, Corey Dickerson, Gregor Polanco, Lonnie Chisholm, uh, Nick Birdie going down with the entry last night. I mean, when guys get injured, there needs to be a next man up mentality. And I feel like, that's really what's going to help out this Phillies team. Yes, they need to wait out these injuries to guys such as Gene Segura. But once, if they can stay above water and within striking distance of the division until they get their guys back, and then once they get them back, they're going to hopefully be clicking at that point. But until then, they just need to keep their heads above water and play 500 or slightly better baseball. I, I agree with you there. Uh, a win tomorrow to wrap up the Mets series and taking three out of four against the Marlins on a homestand would be huge. Um, that right there, after the Marlins four-game set this weekend, um, I think it would be a pretty – I think it would um, pretty much wrap up the injury the injury problems. Um, Segura will be back. Herrera would hope to be back. And I think King would be well on his way to being back. So that right there – could be a huge boost if we can come out of this weekend with winning that's five games left. So winning three to four of these games would be huge for us. Yeah, for sure. And really, the Phillies aren't in a bad position if you just take a look. I mean, they have... They're one game back, and it's late April. (laughs) So, I mean, even if we were seven games back, I still wouldn't be terribly concerned. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, as you said, that they're 23 games into the season. Yes, they're only a game over 500, but they're only a game back. And the NL East is just thus far the bloodbath that we expected it to be with. The, the four big dogs in the division beating each other up all, you know, plus or minus a game, 500 besides the Mets, just three games over. But, like, that division's crazy and the NL Central the top four teams are separated by two games uh the NL West the top four teams are separated by four and a half games this National League just in general is so much parity this year and 
it's going to be interesting. You can make a case for a vast majority of the teams in the National League that, hey, this team can be a playoff team, and the Phillies are no different. They have the potential to go out there and do something special this year. Uh, the question is whether they can execute on that because in a league such as the National League this year when 13, maybe 14 out of the 15 teams are competing for a playoff spot, um, the Phillies, if they don't keep the pace, could find themselves in a hole that might be unescapable. But right now they're not in a bad position, and they just need to, to keep playing around 500 baseball and keeping up with the competition until uh, some of their guys come back. Yeah, they're, they're not even close to that. I mean, the Mets are three games over 500, played 23 games, and again, they started 11-1 and one last year, so that tells you that much about April. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, you look at the the Red Sox record, nine and fifteen, yeah. only a half game better than the, the Baltimore Orioles. Like they're going to get it figured out. It's very early into the season now. We're about like twelve, thirteen percent end of the year, which is a significant chunk. Like these games, you're going to wish you won these games come mid September when you're you know a game out of that wild card spot or a game out of the division spot. Like these games matter now, but if you look at the position that they've put themselves in thus far. It's not terrible, but starting tomorrow, the Phillies need to rebound because, I, I mean, every game's going to matter this year with the stacked NL East and the stacked National League as a whole. I agree, and like you said, the Pirates, who people, many people can consider, especially after the first couple of games when they weren't looking so, so great, uh, a lot of people consider them like, you know, they should rebuild, trade Vasquez, trade, you know, whoever they had left. But man, they, they like they could they look like they could make a run. The Padres look like they could make a run. I mean, like you said, you could make a good argument for many teams. For sure. I mean, a lot of people to just get into a general discussion about National League, American League. Like they say, the American League has the heavyweights, but it's such a top-heavy league. Like the National League, there's not one clear-cut frontrunner. Yes, you have teams like the Dodgers and the Brewers that seem to you know, have separated themselves from the past, but they really have not. And, I mean, National is going to be fun this entire year, and the NL East, NL Central races are going to be fun this entire year. Like, in the American League, you, you pretty much know what's going to go down out there. I mean, there are some anomalies. Oh, in the AL East, the, the Tampa Bay Rays. The top three, I mean, just going off of healthy rosters, are the Yankees, Red Sox, and Astros in no particular order. Yeah, I mean, those teams, yeah, they're going to make the playoffs. We know that. Um, It's just a matter of what the season's going to be and who wins uh, the American League East. Uh, But really, it's going to be an interesting season, to say the least. And just going back to the Phillies, they have as much talent as any of those teams when they put it together. Uh, they can be one of the best teams in baseball. They have the talent to do that. There's going to be times this season when everything is clicking, such as it seemed like early in the season when nothing could go wrong for this Philadelphia Phillies team. And it's a part of the baseball season. You have the highs and you have the lows. I mean, just take – go back to my team, like the Pittsburgh Pirates. They five-game winning streak, winning 10 out of 13, and then the offense goes quiet and they – Drop the past three games, but they're still in a good position, 12 and nine, uh, only half game about to be a game out of their division spot. And the Phillies, the same deal. They got off to a hot start. 
They've dropped three in a row, four and six in their last ten, but they're still in a decent position to be a competitive baseball team, which they're going to be. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be a fun season to watch, but it, it would be nice to see somebody jump out in the NL East because if you can get a five, six game lead early on and if the Phillies can get hot early on, that can play huge down the stretch. I agree. And I truly think with the stretch the Phillies have coming up, when you look at it, they have the Marlins, then they have um, the Tigers, they face the Royals, and then we face the Nationals. These are all winnable games. And I feel like, like you said, a team can get off to like a big start. Uh, I think it's a decent lead. I feel like it definitely could be the Phillies compared to the other um, teams with their schedules. Because ours has been a little – ours has been incredibly difficult it, Difficult when you first look at it. But when you look at the teams we've played, Minnesota has been great this year. They have, what, the second-best record in the MLB. Um, we, we played – the Braves, who are doing just as well as us now, even though we swept them. Um, the Nationals um, are are doing uh, a little bit worse than us, but they, they beat up on us. I mean, these are solid teams that we played. and, and I, I wouldn't be too concerned as a Phillies fan. Only, the only reason I, I would be concerned would be if, I, I don't know, if these injuries were long-term for our players, which they aren't, thankfully. Yeah, in in this National League, it's a recurring theme. You know, the Phillies are going to have to beat the teams they should beat most, you know, considerably the Miami Marlins. They play 19 games with them throughout the season. Uh, I don't think, like, 11-8 and eight is going to cut it against them. I think, like, 14-5, and five, they need to beat up on teams like that because there's not going to be many opportunities to play poor teams like that. I mean, outside of the, you know, Marlins and San Francisco Giants, Maybe you can throw the Cincinnati Reds in there, but they're starting to figure their uh, stuff out out there in Cincinnati. But when you play poor teams, you have to beat those teams, sweep, winning two out of three. You can't, you know, settle for any less than that because when you play good baseball teams, which the most of the National League is uh, in 2019, it's going to be tough. And when you play those teams at home, you have to win those series on the road, hope to play 500 baseball. But, especially with the schedule coming up, the Phillies need to capitalize on this because they're going to look back if they don't and uh, be wishing that they went on a run now rather than later. I agree with you there. Um, so what, what, do you think, what do you think about it? Um, who, in your opinion, are, are the top? The top uh, I think my, I, I have the top three, in my opinion, that at least are Phillies, Nationals, and Mets. What is your ranking for them right now? I mean, in the NL East right now, I'd put the Nationals in that top group. Um, I'd put the Phillies, and I would put the Braves in that top group. I feel the Mets, they're they're close to being there, but I still think they are just a tad bit behind. We know the hot start they got off to last year. Yeah, I can see see exactly where you're coming from, though. The pitching has not been as good as last year either. I mean, DeGrom and Syndergaard, especially DeGrom now uh, being on the intro list and some of their other pitchers just hasn't been the same. And if that's the case, we know their offense is going to eventually slow down. They're 
veteran-laden team that is aging uh, outside of guys like Peter Alonso and Jeff McNeil. But exactly, they're going to lose steam. Yeah, eventually they will. These veterans aren't going to overperform as they have thus far. So I definitely think it's going to be a race between the the Braves, the Nationals, and the Phillies for that top spot in the NL East. Uh, Yeah, I don't don't disagree disagree with you there, except I almost argue that the Braves are definitely the fourth of those four because of their pitching. Other than Max Freed, they have absolutely no starting pitching. Uh, Mike Fultonevich is not not what you could what you would consider an ace. He would probably be the fifth starter on most teams, uh, fourth starter on other teams, um, such as the Pirates, for example. He probably would, would barely make the rotation. Yeah, for sure, and that that's going to be a huge question mark. Is like to what the Braves are going to do at the deadline if they're in a position to compete, because you know. In a rotation, we'll take the Pirates, for example. You have maybe one of the most stacked rotations in baseball. It's a sub-two ERA as a whole right now. You've got Jamison Tyone, Chris Archer, Trevor Williams, Joe Musgrove, and Jordan Lyles. Like, Fulton Evich may crack in ahead of Lyles, but he has a sub-one ERA as it is. The Braves do have Tehran, who seemingly made a comeback, put some extra steam on his fastball, and he's still 28 years old. So maybe he has something left in the tank, but really – their bullpens lackluster as well. The reason why I put There's them the, in that top category is because of the offense. I mean, you have Acuna, you have Albies, you have Freeman, Marcakis, Donaldson, Dansby Swanson. Their offense is going to rake. They're going to score runs. But come playoff time, come crunch time, if they don't add pitching at the deadline, teams aren't going to do anything in October, as we saw last year when their pitching was exposed. And they may not even make the playoffs because of this stack national league. Yeah, I, I can I, I totally agree with you there. Like you said, this guy, you know, their their closer is out for the year of shoulder surgery. Um I honestly if I was a Braves fan, I would be extremely frustrated. I mean I'm sure they they just don't spend any money. They didn't spend any money on Kaiko or Kimball. It's kind of ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you are a Braves fan, you have to be happy about the Ronald Acuna extension. You have to be extremely pleased about the highway robbery with Ozzy Albee signing seven years, yeah. $35 million. I don't know what he was thinking or his agent was thinking on that. But, yeah, extending him, that was good. But, yeah, I mean, you're right. The, the starting pitching market wasn't excellent. I mean, Patrick Corbin was probably the best pitcher on the market, and the Nationals, I mean, overpaid for him. Uh, Keuchel's still out there. The Braves haven't really been connected to him. And really just like on the Keuchel and Kimbrell topic, I don't think any of them are going to sign before the draft. No team is looking to lose that that draft pick right now unless a significant injury, like out for their season type, would occur. Uh, I think they'll eventually sign after uh, the draft occurs. So we're talking like, mid-June, uh, the both of them are going to sign probably on one year, maybe like a mutual or team option for two. But, yeah, there, nobody's going to want to give up that draft pick this late at this point. And, you know, they're like – they could be like a mini deadline acquisition adding a Keiko or a Kimbrel. And, I mean, Braves fans have been begging the front office to go out and get Craig Kimbrel, bring him back, uh, but they've yet to do so. 
Yeah, it, it seems almost picture perfect, especially with the shoulder surgery from Vizcaino, does it not? Like, um, and also we, we can talk, uh, we can make this more of a discussion of the National League um, in general. But who do you think of the top? I mean, obviously, I'm sure you'll say the Pirates are one of the top rotations, but I think the Phillies quietly. We don't have necessarily. Nola is definitely our ace, and he, he's, you know, he's great. I don't think he's the top five pitcher national in the National League. All five of our guys, I feel like, are very solid, and I feel like it could boost us into possibly a top five or six rotation in the in the league in the National League. Yeah, I mean, you pretty much predicted what I'm going to say. The Pirates had the best rotation in baseball. You just look at the ERAs that they have out there. Joe Musgrove, 1.59 ERA. Trevor Williams, 2.59 ERA has the lowest ERA in Major League Baseball in his last 18 starts. Chris Archer, 2.74 ERA, he's finally figuring himself out again. And surprisingly, the ace of the staff, Jameson Tyon, is a 3.12 ERA. And then you get to Jordan Lyles, who has a 0.53 ERA. It seems like Ray Steeridge has figured out his next reclamation project in Mr. Lyles. I mean, you look top to bottom on that rotation, it's – Best in baseball when they're going, and they are going really good right now. 14 out of the 20. Go ahead. It's crazy. It's crazy. Like, they they were really good whenever Archer was off. I can't imagine what they'll be like whenever he's put, whatever. Because at his worst, he's, he pitches like a five-starter. And at his best, he pitches like an ace. So, whenever, he's, whenever all you guys are on, you have about three aces. It's crazy. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you, you got you can even throw if you're talking about like Williams being an ace, he can be thrown in that conversation yeah. with Tyron and Archer, and then Musgrove too. He's been dominant as well. So how old is he? I mean, uh, Joe Musgrove is see like how how did you acquire him? Was is he a homegrown guy? Uh, no, we we acquired Joe Musgrove and the Garrett Cole trade along with Colin Moran. Uh, Jason Martin, Michael Feliz, Musgrove is 26 years old. Oh, that's big then. That's a win from the Garrett Cole trade. Oh, yeah. For, I mean, just the trades as a whole, uh, and it's starting to come to fruition with, I don't know, you probably haven't paid attention that much, but Jason Martin's uh, been up, Brian Rounds has been up, and they've been raking in the majors. Uh, acquiring Sorry. Kyle Crick also. Who'd you acquire in the McCutcheon trade? Uh, Kyle Crick and Brian Reynolds. Wow, that actually is a steal. Yeah, for sure. And right? the fact that like the Giants couldn't even keep Kutch for the whole year. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it it ended up working out in the best way possible for the Pirates as they acquired Joe Musgrove, who's been just dominant. Um, really not enough national spotlight placed on him, nor the Pirates as in general. Um, and then you look at Colin Moran, who's been excellent at third base, and uh, Jason Marsh is looking like going to be the left fielder of the future, competing for that spot with Brian Reynolds when uh, Corey Dickerson leaves, um, most likely, um, in 2020. So, and then that's what you have to do as a small market team. You have to make those trades, and you have to win those trades. Uh, Neil Huntington has done a great job of doing that, just juxtaposing the two, you know, the Phillies, and the Pirates, um, you know, being the cross-state rivals that they are. They're totally different. Completely different franchises. Yeah. I mean, you guys 
can spend all the money in the world and acquire the talent while we have to, you know, scrap our way, throw together a baseball team. And they're both fun teams to watch in their own respective rights. And I'm excited for when the two hook up this year for the battle for PA. I mean, our pitching against your potent lineup, it's going to be fun to watch. And, um, you know, Jake Carey has dominated the Pirates in the past, so he'll most likely hook up with us in one of those games. So it'll be fun um, when we hook up. But that's just about going to do it for the show today. Uh, Top Phillies last three games, especially tonight, but uh, they'll rebound. Um, I mean, they're too talented not to. Uh, any last thoughts before we get out of here? Um, yeah, last, as you said, I believe the Phillies are a perfect scenario. After they finish up the Mets series, they have games against the Marlins. It's exactly what you want. So, um, Phillies fans, don't be worried. Um, we're still in a good spot. Yep, so that is going to wrap up our show tonight. Uh, Cole couldn't join us. He got to see the fixtures. Did they win tonight? They did. So, Coy seeing the fixtures win that series against the yeah. Nets. Oh, sorry. I, on to the, I missed that. Yeah. You're good. moving on to the second round of the NBA playoffs. So, we'll hopefully get him back next week, get you two back together. Until then, go Phillies, and we will see you next week right here on FanCast. Hold on, wait a minute. Y'all thought I was finished. When I bought a ass tomorrow, y'all thought it was winning. Jackson on him. Some like Papa on his finish. Double M, yeah, that's my team. Rose is catching on Lieutenant. I'm the tight cannon. Casting grind like I'm broke. FanCast is produced by Benson Vector. FanCast is a production of the Baseball Podcast Network. Follow FanCast on Instagram at FanCastBPM. Follow our host on Instagram. Isaac, at phillies.focus, with a PH, and Benson, at Bucks Dugout. For more FanCast content, be sure to head over to our website at baseballpodcastnet.com. Follow the official Baseball Podcast Network social media accounts, Instagram, at baseballpodcastnet, Twitter, at baseballpodcast1, that's P-O-D-C-A-S-1. YouTube at Baseball Podcast Network and SoundCloud at Baseball Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in to FanCast. We'll see you next time.